This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Monday afternoon, March 13th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. We'll continue our coverage of the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank, beginning with the notion that maybe uh, you can bet the other way as people head for the exits of bank stocks. There are some market contrarians who are buying them at low, low prices. Joining us now is Mark Holbert and investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Mark, thanks for joining us today. And it seems that uh, part of the exodus from bank stocks is just based on fears that we don't know what may be lurking on the balance sheets of other financial institutions. And once that's all figured out, <laughs> the price of bank stocks will go up once again. So why not take advantage of, uh, of, of picking them up at a discount? Well, that's right. I mean, that's the contrarian argument almost in every case where you have uh, some event that causes some stocks to go down. People in that uh, initial phase of panic, they'll they'll sell first and ask questions later. And in that uh, panic, almost all stocks in that industry or sector will get punished equally. And uh, it's not that some of those stocks don't deserve to go down. Obviously, stocks of banks like uh, Signature Bank or Silicon Valley Bank deserve to go down, but not all banks. And so what you can use the occasion for is buying some good quality stocks at, at low prices because they're getting painted with the same brushstroke as those stocks or, in this case, banks that are in trouble. And then what uh, particular areas of the banking sector uh, do you want to uh, kick the tires on? Because there are all sorts of banks, big, little, and small. Uh, Where do you want to concentrate all of your attention? Well, this does require getting down into the weeds a little bit. You need to be a careful analyst of the the balance sheet of these banks and and look at some of the reports that come out from various agencies on Wall Street that uh, that do rank banks according to their safety and so forth. You do your homework and you find those banks that are relatively safe. As you said in the intro, there's always a possibility that there's something something lurking uh, in the balance sheet that we don't know about. But obviously, if we don't know about it, we can't do anything about it. But if you find a bank that has a wide enough uh, margin of safety, it probably is going to be able to survive some of those items that may be lurking on their balance sheet and come out ahead. We're obviously going to, I mean, I'm stating the obvious here, we're obviously going to have a banking system when all this blows over. And so uh, investing in them long term is still a good idea, even if uh, there are certain banks that are in trouble. And this is just one of those opportunities to buy it. And is it also uh, the the possibility, too, some of the anxiety today is about... uh 
banks that may be doing everything correctly. There's nothing risky or potentially illegal. They're very responsible with their holdings and depositors' money. But one of the issues with the Silicon Valley Bank was they had all of their money in bonds, uh, which were losing value as interest rates go up. And is that another complicating factor as you evaluate bank balance sheets? Well, when you, one of the things to look at in the bank balance sheet is to look at the uh, whether they've invested in long-term bonds. Those are the ones that are most sensitive to interest rate increases. And so that gives you an idea of, of where they stand relative to, uh, to what they've invested in. So not only do you look at the, uh, the bonds at the price that they originally bought them, but you look at them at the market value now and you can see what kind of loss that they have, that's some, that is something that's public. That's not something hidden. And indeed, that would be one of the important things to look at when trying to decide whether a bank is a good value. Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's and MarketWatch.com, based in Washington. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Right now, President Biden is assuring Americans that the banking system is safe. Let's talk about it with Gary Kulpbaum, president of Kulpbaum Capital Management based in Orlando, the website GaryK.com. Gary, thanks for joining us today. After a weekend of doubt and a weekend of worry, uh, not only on the part of uh, Silicon Valley Bank customers, but also uh, on observers of the uh, banking sector writ large, uh, the government did announce it was going to uh, ride to the rescue of of depositors, even with uh, amounts at the bank above and beyond the FDIC uh, threshold of $250,000. So now that the feds have stepped in uh, to rescue these two banks that uh, suffered runs over the weekend, uh, can we put the discussion of contagion to bed, or is it still out there? Uh, I would not put the discussion to bed. Uh, I would not take any assurances as the gospel. Uh, I have been warning about this for years, that you had a central bank that took rates to zero, forcing these big institutions to go out long uh, paper because they were making zero if they bought one or two year paper. And this is just another one of the uh, outcomes of the distortions of them playing God with markets. I can assure you one thing, our government, uh, President uh, Biden, our central bank, does not have any control of the situation right now. That doesn't mean the end of the world is coming. I can tell you a lot of banks are very well capitalized, will be around, but I do believe there's going to be some, some more falling by the wayside because of the word confidence. It is an intangible that took down Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, simple as that. I wish I had better news. But I think everybody needs to be on their toes and watch. And just remember, uh, we got assurances from President Biden and the central bank that inflation was transitory and there was no reason to worry about it. So I am not I'm in the camp of uh, you've been wrong a few too many times before. So I, as a manager of money uh, for people as well as myself, I'm staying on my toes. 
The storyline, as far as inflation is, has been, has been concerned over the last year and a half, has been uh, just raising interest rates, try to slow the economy down, ring that inflation out. And in a world in which the Silicon Valley Bank was still operational and functional, we would be talking about the CPI report coming out tomorrow. Does this scramble the storyline and does this scramble the playbook for the Fed, uh, tomorrow's number notwithstanding? Uh, you nailed it, good sir. Uh, I would suggest that inflation goes to the back of the room right now. If more trouble uh, with banks continue, there will be no more rate hikes. In fact, you may see Jay Powell lower rates to try to stem the tider and just instill some sort of confidence because he always believes, hey, you lower rates, you print more money, everything's going to be fine again. So, yeah, I believe that's moved to the side for right now. Uh, by them, but it's something that we have to deal with because, uh, you know, I go to the supermarket and I know what's going on there. And if they do get easy again with monetary policy because of this, that means inflation is going to pick up. And that le- just leads to a vicious cycle. It's one of those darned if you do, darned if you don't. And to be clear, and I, I take no joy in saying this, they have put us in this position. Gary Kulpam, President Kulpam. Kaltbaum Capital Management, Fox News business contributor based in Orlando. You can go to his website, GaryK.com. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next, why experts say paying the minimum on your credit card bill is a bad idea. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. When paying your credit card bill, experts say you should avoid the temptation to pay just the minimum amount. Joining us now is Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Ted, thank you for joining us today. And if you're on a fixed income or facing a tight budget, paying the minimum amount on your credit card may be very tempting. Paying the minimum may be enough to keep you current in the eyes of your lender and the credit bureaus, but it's really something to be avoided if at all possible. It's best to pay way more than the minimum. Pay it all if you can. Now, that's not always feasible, but you know, one quick example that I think illustrates the danger of only making minimum payments, if you have the average credit card balance, $5,805, according to TransUnion, if you're paying that average interest rate, which is right around 20%, you're going to be in debt for more than 17 years, and you're going to pay more than $8,200 just in interest. It really adds up. So in, in other words, if you are carrying a credit card balance, uh, what are some ways that you can uh, potentially pay it off in installments without paying exorbitant amounts of interest? My top tip would be to sign up for a 0% balance transfer card. You can move your existing high-cost debt from one or more cards over to this new card with a 0% promo rate that lasts as long as 21 months. That's a tremendous tactic for lowering your interest bill. I understand sometimes people need to carry debt for a time. I mean, I'd love to say, oh, yeah, pay it all off every month. That doesn't always work for people. But if you need to build or buy yourself a little more time, I think the balance transfer is a great idea. And then what about debt consolidation loans? Uh, Good plan, not so good plan. What's your recommendation there? I think those can be good as well. A balance transfer could actually be one example, but also things like personal loans. They'll have a longer term. The interest rate won't be zero. If you have good credit, maybe it's 7 or 8%, but it could last for five, six, even seven years. So that's a trade-off. I would say especially if you 
owe more than you could pay off in about two years, even with that 0% rate, if you need more time, then the personal loan could be a good option. Uh, nonprofit credit counseling agencies, reputable groups like Money Management International, they have something similar, a debt management plan with a 7% rate over four or five years. You don't even need great credit. I think those are both solid options, but the balance transfer is the best if you can pay it off with no interest in that term. And then some of these strategies that you can employ to knock down or eliminate the interest rate that you're paying on your credit card debt to really uh, make some headway in addressing it, uh, how do they impact your credit score? Your credit score should go up in the long run as long as you're paying on time and paying down your debt. I mean, it's true that there could be a short-term negative effect to opening a new credit card or opening a new line of credit, um, but I, I think pretty quickly that's going to be outweighed by the gains of paying down this debt at a more favorable interest rate. And long-term, you know, I, I think that's really what I would keep my eyes on. I think that it's also relevant that you shouldn't chase rewards when you have credit card debt. You don't want to pay 20% interest just to get 2% in cash back or airline miles. Um, so I, I think that the trade-off is well worth it. If you put your interest rate first, secure the lowest rate for the longest amount of time, I think that'll serve your credit score and other aspects of your finances quite well. Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Still ahead, a look at sports gambling ahead of March Madness, and then a visit with our Monday afternoon stock pick. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. President Biden assures Americans the banking system is safe. Australia is set to announce it will buy nuclear powered attack submarines from the U.S. to modernize its fleet. We'll see what's moving Wall Street today. And March Madness is upon us, and the sports gambling industry is getting ready to cash in. WBBM business markets are higher. The Dow is up 23 points. The NASDAQ is up 81. The S&P 500 is up 6. We have 32 degrees right now in Chicago under cloudy skies. A wind chill of 20. High today of 35. Some snow flurries in the area. It's 12.31, topping our news at the half hour. President Biden today reassured Americans about the safety of regional banks. Today, thanks to the quick action of my administration over the past few days, Americans can have confidence that the banking system is safe. Your deposits will be there when you need them. 
Small businesses across the country, the deposit accounts at these banks can breathe easier knowing they'll be able to pay their workers and pay their bills. The president's remarks followed the stunning collapse of two banks over the past few days, which prompted fears of broader upheaval. President Biden and the leaders of Australia and Great Britain will unveil plans today to provide Australia with nuclear-powered submarines. CBS News correspondent Cammie McCormick with the latest. This deal was first announced in 2021, but will be formalized today at a naval base in San Diego, Australia will buy three U.S. nuclear-powered submarines with an option to buy two more. The U.S. and Britain will provide troops to train on the submarines. It's seen as a deterrent to China's growing militarization of the South China Sea. The Biden administration has also announced plans to help Japan build up its military and deploy, deploy U.S. troops and military equipment to military bases in the Philippines. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are mixed right now. Joining us with the latest in what's moving Wall Street is Vahan Jenjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management based in Greenwich, Connecticut. Vahan, thanks for joining us today. And it seems like you have two issues that the markets and investors are trying to figure out today. And that is uh, issue one is the uh, federal intervention on the part of the Biden administration and the Federal Reserve uh, to make whole the depositors at the Silicon Valley. Bank enough to stem the tide or or reduce the possibility of a contagion infecting the larger banking system. And the other one seems to be bets on whether or not uh, the Fed is going to pause its interest rate hiking cycle to address what appears to be not a banking crisis, but a banking issue that needs to be worked out. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. So, um, I think it's uh, important uh, that the government is guaranteeing these deposits, and I think people should make a distinction between uh, depositors and investors. So people who have invested in these banks that have gone under are going to lose their money, uh, which is exactly what should happen to to investors. But the depositors should have their, um, their money uh, returned to them. They should be safe. Um, you could you can make a case that uh, at least corporate depositors should have known that it was uh, a bit too dangerous to keep large sums of money at any one bank, and they should have used better cash management uh, techniques. Um, but I think it's important to remember that these banks uh, had these problems for for two reasons. One was bad investment decisions on their part; they were taking uh, assets. Um, and uh, and um, investing in longer-term maturity uh, securities in a uh, category called hold to maturity, which means that they didn't have to mark them to market on a regular basis, and interest rates went up, uh, driving the, the values down. And I also think that you need to blame the Fed, because the Fed um, kept interest rates too low for too long, um, basically encouraging all kinds of investors to reach for yield by going uh, further out on the maturity curve. Um, And then they started raising rates uh, too quickly and uh, for too long. So I I think the Fed needs to stop. And I think uh, investors who are now betting that the Fed um, will stop are probably getting it right. I would not be surprised to see the Fed um, stop raising rates uh, at the next meeting, um, you know, earlier last week. The probability of a 50 basis point hike surged, but now uh, you know people are betting that there will be no hike. So uh, we might see another 25 basis point hike, but that could be it. I what? think uh, 
the Fed has already brought inflation down and doesn't need to do any more. And, and and what happens here? Because there's some concern that maybe uh, you, you find yourself in a stagflation situation where the economy does slow down. It's not enough to knock down inflation. Or is this the black swan event that's going to bring about the uh, the long-awaited economic downturn? Well, that's, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I'm not. I don't think this is the black swan event. I think. I think we will get this banking situation under control. Um, you know, if you look at what's happening in the market today, um, you look at the uh, bond market, for example, you're seeing a plunge um, in interest rates. And ironically, that actually increases the value of these whole to maturity um, you know, assets on the bank's balance sheet. So this plunge in interest rates is actually helping them today. So it's strengthening their balance sheet. So, no, I don't expect this to be a black swan event. But uh, I think these banks do need to get their balance sheets in order. Um, Unfortunately, what this is also going to do is that it's going to make it much more difficult for the regional banks to compete in the marketplace. And you're going to see a lot of a lot of ordinary people taking their money out of regional banks and putting them in the big national banks. So the big will get bigger and the small will suffer. Vahan Jinjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management in Greenwich, Connecticut. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, March Madness sports betting is a booming business for many states. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. March Madness is upon us, and the sports gambling industry is poised to cash in. Joining us now to discuss this is Casey Clark, Senior Vice President of the American Gaming Association in Washington. Casey, thank you for joining us us today. Uh, This is the week where you get to see all sorts of eye-popping numbers associated with the first round of the NCAA men's basketball tournament. You talk about the hits to productivity, the number of people who will be uh, ducking out of the office early to go to a bar, to uh, see the games, to the amount of money that's uh, wagered not only uh, at sports books, but in office uh, bracket tournaments. So what type of uh, economic impact are we talking about for the 2023 tournament. Well, I appreciate you having me on to talk about it. You know, March Madness is always one of the biggest sports betting events of the year. And this year, new American Gaming Association research suggests 68 million American adults, or that's one in four adult American adults in the country, are going to bet on the tournament this year. And we're going to bet up to $15.5 billion on this tournament alone. And then how has it changed since the uh, Supreme Court decision a couple of years ago that allowed all sorts of states and entities to uh, engage in sports betting and not just Nevada and uh, Atlantic City? That's a great question, because five years ago, if we were having this conversation about March Madness, there would have only been one legal market in Nevada where you could have placed a legal sports bet. And today, sports betting is legal in 36 states plus D.C., so we've seen rapid expansion of the legal market over a pretty short amount of time. But as does that mean a lot of gambling that was taking place off the books is now on the books and legit and taking place uh, inside legal enterprises? Or does this just show that there was a great deal of growth in sports gambling now that it's legit and people feel a lot more comfortable getting involved? Well, you know, Americans have always bet on sports. We've just recently had the opportunity to do a lot more of that within the confines and protections of the legal regulated market. So we're seeing significant migration of American betting patterns away from the predatory and pervasive illegal market and into the protections of the regulated one. 
And then, you know, just how I was thinking about this over the weekend uh, at a couple of uh, Irish bars in the Chicago area and how uh, they orient their entire year around St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Does the sports gambling industry also uh, orient its entire year around March Madness or is their big event still the Super Bowl? It's kind of a one-two punch. So the Super Bowl, uh, the American Gaming Association predictions were that you know Americans were going to bet about sixteen billion dollars on the Super Bowl, and and our estimates you know are about fifteen and a half for March Madness. So you have the two biggest sports betting events of the calendar year uh, happening back to back here in the U.S. And then uh, flipping it around a little bit, uh, especially three years ago. I think it was yesterday uh, we heard that the NCAA tournament was going to be canceled because of the incoming COVID-19 pandemic. You know, what was it like in 2020 for the sports gambling industry as a whole when you went three or four months without any sports to, to gamble on? Well, as a proud Dayton Flyer, uh, we were we were number three in the country at that time. So it was a rough it was a rough one personally for me <laughs> to lose lose access to that tournament. But look at you know our industry was 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 uh, severely restricted, just like everybody else. You know, every casino property in the country at the time was 989 of them were shuttered uh, for a long period of time. And so, uh, but what we saw is, is kind of innovation on, uh, from our industry, which we're known for and good at, and, and finding ways to bring those entertainment options to people around the world. So, uh, you know, we've bounced back significantly and, and had record years back to back in, in 21 and 22 and 23 is off to a great start too. Casey Clark, senior vice president of the American Gaming Association based in Washington. Thank you for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday and still to come a pair of investment ideas from our Monday afternoon stock picker. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Stock Picker Monday. Joining us with a pair of investment ideas, we go back to the very beginning and talk to Pat Morrow, president of Patrick Morrow Investment Advisors in Oak Brook, and he was our very first Noon Business Hour stock picker. Pat, welcome back to the show. And uh, both of your selections this week come from the financial sector, and they both have Chicago ties. Exactly. Um, These are two companies that... um, well, one is CME Group, the other is CNA Financial, both extremely well-managed, both battle-tested from the big financial crisis of uh, 2008, and I think they will do well going forward, uh, as they have for the last several years. And what do you like about the CME Group specifically? Well, specifically, outside of the great management, is they diversified across uh several platforms. They own, of course, the Mercantile Exchange, the Board of Trade, the New York Mercantile Exchange, the Commodities Exchange, which is NYMEX and COMEX. The volume uh, is dominated by interest rate futures, uh, which is about 45% of their volume, and then uh, equity indexes like the S&P 500. Um, The other businesses, the Board of Trade, wheat, corn, soybeans, New York Merck products like crude oil, natural gas. I mean, it's endless, really, in the COMEX, gold, silver. The uh, They also own the Clearing Corp, which is one of the most efficient clearing corps in the, uh, in the world and um, with a great reputation. They also have a growing business in data collection uh, and analytical tools that they're developing, and that's a, an up-and-coming source of revenue. And then uh, very quickly, uh, the the good things about CNA Financial. Again, very well managed. It's uh, 
hardly known anymore, but it is one of the biggest casualty and property uh, insurance companies in the world. It's been around for over, really, 125 years. It's uh, owned mostly by Lowe's Corp, but there is 10% traded on the New York Stock Exchange, and the dividends are terrific, and they're very steady. They pay a $1.68 regular dividend, and then they pay an annual extra dividend, um, much like CME does, and the current rate is 7.24%, and we invest for dividend growth, and both these companies deliver that. Pat Morrow, President, Patrick Morrow Investment Advisors, based in Oak Brook. Thanks for joining us on this Stock Picker Monday. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.